Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, thanks to everybody who listened to the Sunday edition for um, this week, which was, if you haven't listened to it yet, I encourage you to listen to it. It was about um, franchises and the kind of large allowance that anime gives itself to make new, to, to produce new things and put them out into the world. Now, granted... I'm immediately just ignoring that podcast. I realize talk about what about I'm going to talk about next, but I watched what I watched our the thing we're going to talk about this week, and I saw it was really interesting, especially from the standpoint of it being from a massive franchise. So, um, without further ado, let's talk about what we're going to um, this get to it and talk about Gundam Hathaway. Kareは危険人物だ。地球連邦政府の秩序を乱すものだ。あの時、彼は誓った。そうだね、クレス。僕は変わるよ。変えてみせるよ。世界を変える。そして、人類の希望になると。クレス。やってみせろよ、マフティ
see, we're calling it season two, but it's a mini season basically talking about the Teen Titans, so go listen to that. But one of, one of our, like, bonding moments is G Gundam. And the great thing about non-UC Gundams is... So the two, there's great things about both timelines. The great thing about non-UC Gundams, about, like, out of, out of you that don't fall on the timeline anywhere, or fall, or typically the way they handle it is it's so far away from the original timeline that you don't even need to think about it. Like, they don't, they don't put a universal century num- year number on it, basically. And what that means is it's... It's this thing that they can just, like, have fun with giant robots and write a story. And then you have... you, And then you have the traditional Universal Century Gundam. These are, like, Gundam 1, 2... The timeline that most people know if they've seen some Gundam is... Gundam is, like, Gundam 1, 2, 3, and Charge Counterattack. Is... And Charge Counterattack. Lots of people also know Iron Blood Orphan. And Iron Blood Orphan is supposed to be so far in the future compared to old, compared to the original Gundam that they've just gone so far ahead in that show that all of the original Gundam stuff in ancient history. But a few years, um, a few years, a bunch of years back, I don't actually remember how many years back at this point, you got Gundam UC, which was this like anniversary, which was like the 35th, it's like the 35th anniversary thing for Gundam, and it was this like re, slight reorganizing of the timeline, it was this addition to the timeline where you got Unicorn Gundam, which is why they, which is what, A, they call it Gundam UC because of the Unicorn Gundam, which is a cool ass thing, it looks like a giant white Gundam with a singular horn until it transforms and it like extends a little and the horn turns into the Gundam V, which is which is fun. Uh, but you also it started to take it in a different it started to take Gundam in a different direction. Which was very good for it. Because up until Gundam you see Gundam was kind of, and even Iron Blood Orphan, it, Gundam's primary tenet is war bad. And if you don't understand it, it will scream it at you with giant robots, war bad. Everything about war bad. Um, it, it comes to like a head in Gundam 00, which is a non-UC Gundam thing, um, which is part of like the like overarching five pretty boys pilot a mech to save the world kind of thing or pilot Gundam to save the world kind of thing a la Gundam Wing Gundam Seed Gundam Double Up um but original Gundam has always been very much war bad there's um I think it's called Gundam Double O Seventy Nine, and that thing is just like hey what if we play football with a nuclear robot <laughs> For like twenty six episodes of some nonsense. Um, I could think of more than that. I think it's like fifty six episodes. But 
there's this, there's this thing with Gundam that it's always been this giant robot show that is all about war bad, but it's also super politically minded. And for a long time, it was really solely about war bad, but also who is right in war. And they dealt with the good evil aspect by making, you know, um, Vion and by making Vion and the Federation so diametrically opposed to each other that it's insane. And they would occasionally blur the lines by showing Vion being for what they call the space noise, which is basically people who've been born in space and never had the luxury of living on Earth. Because the thing with Gundam is always, Earth is the luxury. Earth is the place to, like, what people who are super wealthy gain to either come and live or are born to live because those are the only people who can afford to live there. Whereas these giant orbiting or sometimes just static, I think, space colonies are where other are where like the rest of humanity lives. And that's true even in something like um or in the case of Iron Blood Orphans, which is which I've done an episode about and is fucking fantastic. Um and most people also agree that it's fantastic. Uh Iron Blood Orphans is basically like either you live on Mars and are super poor or you live on Earth and you just live in the good goddamn life. And the and that's also a whole like war war bad because child soldiers, but child soldiers can fucking take whatever they want because they will shoot you in the head without even thinking about it. Um but the After a while that kind of story starts to drag and it starts to feel strange that it's not it's not addressing other things. It's not addressing other concerns. And the other thing is, like, Charge Counterattack as a movie is fucking fantastic. Um, the like that's like the pinnacle of char of char admirable versus um, versus uh, what's his face the original Gundam pilot. I forget his name. Um, but. Gundam Hathaway, which is what I haven't spent the last, you know, ten minutes talking about, although that's what the podcast is, um, is really interesting because it does a whole bunch of things that are super traditionally Gundam, including the, and I have to mention this, the name, the names in Gundam are out of fucking control. We need, we need some mulligans with some of the fucking names. Like, you got to Biscuit and fucking Iron Blood Orphans. Biscuit, Cookie, and Cracker are, like, real names in that fucking show. And you were like, ah, it's insane, but also snack food is proper now, so I will accept this. And also Cookie and Cracker are adorable, and they're twins, and whatever. They have, like, Target Rain is, like, I'm not exaggerating. I believe in a actual named character in this goddamn show. Um, it's it bad enough that fucking Bright Noah named his kid Hathaway Noah, and it sucks. You gotta deal with that for the entire show, because he's the main character. There's also a character who, you're not sure if her real name is Gigi, 
but they definitely did call her Gigi for the entire goddamn show. Um, but it, this show is primarily concerned with the it's primarily concerned with not war, but the consequences of the society that the victors of war have created, essentially. So what I mean by that is, it, in the original UC timeline, um, charged, count, charged counterattack plan, aka drop the, drop the colony on Earth, killing billions killing probably trillions, honestly. And restarting everything, drop a colony on Earth and restart everything, does not happen. It is prevented. But what... And of course, they have, like, fantasy footage of what that would fucking look like, and it sucks. And it, like, it's very clear, like, oh, this is bad, we need to stop this right now. But the thing about... Um... Char is, he is, he, he represents this pure ideal that got twisted over time of the, the space noise, the, the people who live on the colonies, are just straight up not equal to the people who live on Earth. So everything, we need a clean slate, we need to start everything again. And sorry, it's 4th of July and there's fireworks happening, and I thought fireworks are happening in my walls. Um, but the, this, this, that equality is the charred core problem. And at some point in original Gundam, Noah Hathaway gets in a mobile suit because, but, it's like, it, Charles, um, Zeon just fucked up and, like, get killed by a kid piloting a mobile suit. And that makes Noah Hathaway this, like, fuck up who gets to be a war hero? Like, a, a civilian, ostensibly a, the child of a really famous, important, um, Federation soldier, Federation commanding officer who ultimately helped to win the war, the quote unquote, the big war, who doesn't, who basically accidentally kills a bunch of, a, a bunch of enemy combatants without permission, and if they had lost, if, if, and it was not a good thing that he did it. But it was not a good thing the way it happened, but it was a good thing that it happened kind of deal. And everybody knows him because he's now this, like, mystical legend of the conflict, that, of, the, of, of the war, of the war against Zeon that was won. And so he's part of that tapestry, so he, like, his name is known by people in, um... In, in, in the war, in the universe of Gundam, because of this thing that happened when he was a kid, and 
Gundam Hathaway takes place 26 years after the events of Char's counterattack, basically. And so it starts out in a... Lots of Gundams, lots of Gundam shows start out very peaceful and ramp up to, um, ramp up, ramp in, ramp up and into conflict. A perfect example of this, if you've ever seen, um, 0080, 0080 War in the Pocket, is a, is kind of a perfect companion to this show. That show is about a little kid who wants to be a war correspondent and get tangled up in some giant robot nonsense. I don't even think a Gundam shows up in that show. But it, in both 0080 and in this movie, the movie is not about here comes the Gundam. The movie is about people and the choices people make in a potential conflict and why they make those choices. So, um, Hathaway Noah is on a is on this very important fucking high-end um, return shuttle to Earth. And it's got all these... It's got all of these... Mini- all these cabinet ministers for the Federation on it. It's like most of them are on, are on this thing because they're all buddy-buddy and they're going to a, you know, fancy political conference. And it's... It... It's also got a captain on it. Let me um, look up his name. Um, but it it's basically like a, a first-class-only flight back to Earth. And he's just on it to get back to, get back to Earth. And he's got, he's got a reason that's unimportant because it's not his real reason. We'll get to that in a second. But, um... It's this... It's this big, um... Thing... For... It's a, it's a big thing for, um... Basically, anybody on this flight is on this flight because they're fucking connect, connected to the hill. And... It, this flight gets taken over by a kind of... Splinter terrorist group that is basically, for all intents and purposes, a quasi-eco-terrorist organization. And they claim to be with this organization, and I forget what the organization called, but it's, it's a reinterpretation of Zeon towards the environmental save-the-earth bend. And what that means is it's... Um, it's, it's just, it, basically, um, the terrorist organization here wants the, wants everybody to move off Earth for a period of years. And, um, you meet this character named, um, 
you, you meet this other character in this whole big thing who's a um, lieutenant, who's the commander of the Federation's, like, Earth Forces, the new commander of the Federation's Earth Forces, who is just on his... He's on his way to assume his post, basically. And his name is Kenneth. And Kenneth um, is very clearly, like, determined to do a good job, but he's also... He's also an anime... antagonist, let's call him. And he's very... He's, like... He's a... How should I put this? Gundam has a weird way of dealing with interpersonal relationship and specifically with, you know, potential relationships with female characters. It kind of, it has had this since kind of Gundam seed, really. And, and that is that oftentimes it's, and it's exemplified in freaking Gundam, um, you see, actually, it's not, it's not a, you don't really have a solid, um, aim lane, by the way, it's a guy who I said, aim, aim rain, it, it's, it's a name, aim rain, which is psychotic, um, but it's not really a great, not really a great depiction of a thing, because all the characters who are horny on women are, like, horny out in the open in a way that, like, would not be tolerable. And to... To Gundam's... Full... To Gundam's full fucking... Credit. Especially this movie. They do not make it tolerable. Like, when Kenneth is like, Hey, Gigi, I want to fuck you. <laughs> She's just like, Oh, yeah, you're gross, bud. I'm gonna leave now. You think about what you just said, you dickbag. And the this entire movie is going to be a like a, the first in in three different movies. So this movie was kind of your introduction to the characters. It was one it was one flashy um, Gundam battle that took place entirely in the dark, which sucks. Um, but the, the big thing that changed here that had not changed in a lot of Gundam is you see the collateral of mobile, of mobile suits fighting among people. And your primary pilot, Noah Hathaway, is not in a Gundam for most of the movie. And he has to deal with, like, he, he eventually forms a, a relationship with Gigi, and Gigi's, like, insistent. She's just like, no, I'm keeping you around. I like you. I'm not sure how, but I like you. I'm tired of fucking this 80-year-old fucking dude who just give me nice shit. This is a real thing. Um, and, and Kenneth tries to, like, Get on, get on her case for, like, being essentially the fuck toy of an 80-year-old, um, like, rich dude. And she's like, um, other than age, she's perfectly healthy. You're a piece of shit. 
He gave me an apartment. That's why that apartment was empty. I haven't been there yet. You leave me alone. Which I appreciated because it was like this very, like, is it great that like a 20-something is sleeping with an 80-something? No. But is it, like, should it be stopped? No. If, it's, if everybody in it's in agreement and they're all fine with it and nothing creepy is happening, we're fine here. Move along. It's not great that it's happening, but it's okay that it's happening. Like, there's, nothing, there's no rules being, there's no rules of law being broken here. There's nothing creepy happening yet. I mean, there's some societal creepy stuff, but that's its own thing. It is not for, like, outsiders to judge if both people entered into that thing um, willingly and consentingly. But you get this sense for the entire movie that Kenneth is kind of a fucking dickbag. Like, he's, he's an overconfident... He, he's a very confident but overconfident leader in this conflict, in this, like, long-running story conflict, the long-running story conflict of Gundam that everybody believes on the side that, of what everybody believes to be the good guys. But the thing about this movie is is that it's not it's not that cut and dry. It's, start, it's starting to take a look at the the underlying structure of the universe of Gundam and what it means and why and why someone like Char would show up at all. And the reason for that is really well demonstrated and this movie is a Netflix um, Sunrise Copro and it fucking looks it, man. I, it's not the great that Netflix is so entrenched in the anime industry, but what is great is that the anime industry now has access to the kind of funds that Netflix can give it because as anybody who, who has seen Shirobako will tell you anim, animation is really expensive and it, you're basically paying for an amount of time and this whole movie is like look at our fucking budget let's go and from the minute that you open the movie to maybe two-thirds of the way to, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie, Hathaway is... Hathaway Noah is surrounded by, and Gigi, oh, Gigi and um, Kenneth are both always surrounded by this, like, excess and luxury and expensive shit constantly. Hathaway Noah and Gigi share an apartment suite that is just like the most beautiful penthouse suite ever imagined. They give Hathaway Noah because he's just, basically because he's a, fa a famous civilian soldier, it's the best way I can explain it, who is the son of a very high-ranking military officer. And a, 
basically a a black card. If he never wanted to, if he wanted to live in that hotel for the rest of his life, he could. If he wanted to live off the government's dime, he could. And there's a moment when he's lying in the bed, and they get they drop pretty strong hints all the way through this. Um, and I need to find the. I need to find the name of the, um, of the, of the, um, of the organization, um, Mafti. Mafti is, is, Mafti is the latest person who they're like, he's a reincarnation of Char Admirable. He's the guy who's trying to get it done, who's blonde and wears a red blazer kind of thing. Um, and is also insanely rich and had his own personal army with his own set of fucking nightmare mobile suits, which are just Zaku's. Um, because, you know, Gundam rules, Zeon fights in Zaku's, Federation fights in Gundam's and a different mobile suit. But, um, that is not either of those two things. But, the, they drop these pretty strong hints that Hathaway Noah doesn't doesn't agree with the society that he's grown up with and into. Because he is, a, he is essentially a, a military celebrity for the government for the government that won the war. You know, and he, he says like, somebody's like, it must have been, uh, Kenneth at one point is like it must have been hard to be the like so, to be a, not just like somebody, a, a non-soldier who achieved a, a military honor, aka taking out bad guys in the line of duty that you were not that you were not expected to because you're just a kid, but also the son of a famous general, and he says like, and he said specifically. It wasn't really that hard, except for I constantly had to deal with tons of girls who'd come up and talk to me, and once they found out, they... And it's like, this is a very macho man horseshit thing. Um, like, like he's like, basically people wanted to talk to me and wanted to be around me because of who... of what my legacy was and not because of who I am. They want, they want to be around... The idea of me, not me, and and that sucks. And the kind of the effect of growing up in a society in a society that is so clearly unequal has had on him is he doesn't agree with it. He doesn't agree with the fact that just because he is who he is. He gets a government-supplied, unlimited-fund black card, basically, that he can just use for the rest of his life. That he can just, like... He, he can buy anything he wants. He is taken care of. But And this is the part I haven't brought up yet. The way that the Federation handles citizenship is you have to be able to afford what's called a an earth residency um license basically it's, it, 
It's basically like a green card, but to live on Earth. And the expense of that is so high that most people... And there's a random taxi cab driver who's like, yeah, I... I kind of agree with Mathy. Like, I, I don't... I don't agree with, like, him blowing people up and shit, or that... Or, like, mobile suit fights or any of that shit. But you see, basically military police, they call Manhunter, hunting down illegal immigrants and just, like, sending mobile suits to kill and or apprehend these poor illegal immigrants. Like, the people... And not illegal immigrants in the way that we think of illegal immigrants, like people who, you know, fled Mexico and swam across the border and shit. Like, people who are just coming back to Earth, like the original home of humanity, and they can't afford... And this is true of a lot of um, immigrants to this country, I know for a fact. Green cards to stay in America are... Extremely expensive. They're 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 not hard to get if you start. Like let's say you went to college and you applied for a green card and you went jumped through all the hoops. It's basically expensive in terms of time. You would you would need to get some sort of long term probably employment visa and then you would need to um, apply for a green card, get approved. Uh, it's a whole process. That's why lots of illegal immigrants ultimately get married to, like, not even people they love, like, people they know. And there's a lot of penalties assumed, there's a lot of penalties and crimes now assumed with marrying somebody for a green card. Like, you can... I, I have looked at it for reasons. You can say... You, you can spend two years in jail for... Simply marrying somebody and getting them a green card. It sucks. And the bottom line is that is just because that person didn't have the luck, because that's all it is, luck to be born in the U.S. or in the case of Gundam Hathaway, on Earth. So people who try to come to Earth and make a better life for themselves need a Earth residency license, basically. Uh, and no, and Hathaway Noah has that because he's the son of Bright Noah, a bigwig in the Federation in the Federation military at this point. And he comes to resent this and there's a moment when he's lying on his bed and he's staring at this credit card that the government gave him, and he's like, I could live like a king for the rest of my life and not bat an eyelash at it. That doesn't seem right. This it's The inequality of the world is too, The world is too unequal and too imbalanced, and, you know, the local police shouldn't be able to hunt down a family of five with a fucking mobile suit. In, in the streets... Like it's a Tuesday afternoon. And then actual Mafti attacks the, the hotel he's staying in and, the, and a different hotel because all these um, Federation uh, 
Federation bigwigs are staying in these two hotels because their um, flight got hijacked and they were heading there anyway, but their flight got hijacked um, by fake idiot mafty assholes, basically. And he just... He feels the need to save Gigi for whatever reason. Who Gigi is is really not focused on so much, but it's very clear that Gigi has always been very wealthy and doesn't, and has feelings about the way the world is, but doesn't have the actualization of what to do about it. And it's slowly revealed, by the way, spoiler alert at this point. This is all like, just, that's all spoiler alert for the back half of this movie if you haven't watched it. It's an hour and a half. You can go watch it on Netflix right now. It, you find out ultimately that Hathaway Noah is actually Mafty, and Mafty as an organization is behind him to undo the imbalances of to a undo the balance the imbalances of the Federation, and also get everybody to fuck off Earth because all of this the luxuries that we as people in a first world country, and I'm talking about me specifically, like I have an air conditioner going on in the background my entire house has central AC there's lights that work in every room, there's computers and all this stuff just the sheer power draw on the grid is causing noticeable carbon footprint harm to the world. Now, am I fine, like, you know, running the AC so I can be comfortable and record podcasts? Yeah. But multiply that by a couple billion, couple million, couple trillion, thousands of years. That has a lasting effect. And Mafty's prime point of, like, everybody needs to get the fuck off Earth is, A, if there's no way to live on Earth, there's no reason to afford um, residence IDs, and that equals out the playing field a little bit. B, Earth is going to get fucked up, and if we don't leave in a thousand years, nobody will get to be on Earth, because Earth will be too fucked up to live on. So it's a really a two-sided coin, and it's a they're thinking of a two-sided of a way to fix both problems at once. Now, the other thing about um, NAFTI, the organization, and Hathaway Noah, is they are way more considerate and thoughtful than um, the Federation is. This is a version of the of the Federation in Gundam that is that disregards human life, that engages enemies in public spaces, that does not think about the consequences of its actions in public spaces, and this is one of the first Gundam properties other than double than double O eighty, War in the Pocket, where I've seen them pay really close attention to the consequences of having a giant robot fucking firefight in the middle of a city. And it... There's 
something important about seeing the collateral damage that goes along with big shonen power bullshit. And a, most good shonen thing, the most good giant robot thing, show that aspect to it and focus on that aspect to it because it's it's a consequence that people that like is obscured from you enough that you don't have to think about it. You can just be like raw raw giant robots. But the bottom line is, if they're fighting in a city, there's people dying. There's a great um. And I keep talking about this episode. Actually, one of the best episodes of Justice League. It's like the of Justice League Unlimited. I think maybe regular Justice League. Justice League something is um. I think it's the fourth episode where um, John, the Green Lantern of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, goes back to his hometown. And he ends up getting in like a superhero fight, and the rest of the Justice League shows up. And they clean house. But the entire time, you see like Superman punching, ass- something, punching some asshole through a wall into someone's apartment. And at the end, Jump like, can you guys just fucking, like, I love you guys and you're my friend, but can you fucking, can you leave, please? Like, my home, this is my hometown, like, I technically live here. I, I come back here to vote every year. And now my, like, my neighbor from two, bo- from two blocks over doesn't have a wall anymore. Thanks, Soup. Thanks, Clark. And, like, the only one who kind of considers that is Batman. And he clearly is going to foot the bill for all the repairs. <laughs> but, like, that's a really great moment of realizing what the collateral damage is to, like, all these, like, big showy action things for buildings explode and stuff falls sideways and all this shit. And they focus on that so hard because it's another way that, like, the people who are well off, the people who are advantaged in the universe of Gundam, don't have to deal with that shit. You know, oftentimes to be wealthy and well off in Gundam means you have an armed guard with their own mobile suits. Means you are part of the military. Means you are privileged enough to be a pilot, the pilot in the cockpit, not experiencing the house they can't go back to anymore. And they use Gigi really effectively in that in that whole in that whole night fight sequence because Gigi is just losing her shit. She's having a breakdown and Hathaway Noah is just like, come on, you gotta fucking go. Don't worry about your perk. You're gonna goddamn die. Your purse is on fire. If you touch it, you'll be on fire and then I'll be on fire and you'll be back. Goddamn go. And he can't get to his like confidant who keeps like Following him and making vague allusions to like, just leave her, she'll be fine, and or not, we don't care, and come over to me, and he's like, I can't leave her. Why can't I leave her? And the reason why he can't leave her is because he's a good person, because he realizes that she is extremely privileged in this world, but that's not her fault, and it's the same way it's not the fault of the taxi driver that like he's driving himself into the ground so he can afford, so he can afford a residency permit, just like everybody, every other poor person in that city. And he wants to change all that. And 
at their core, um, the Federation, maybe if they were presented with the problem, would help, would try and fix it, but isn't going to fix it of their own accord. They, they are now, they are now the rich victor. They are now the people who have been spoiled by the spoils of war. And for a show, for a property that has been so much about war bad, look at what war does, war bad, to not only do the war bad thing, but also take it to the next step of the societal step of, and the way we prevent future war is by leveling the playing field for everyone and by examining the fact that, like, a, a military, basically a military brat with some street cred can stay in the nicest thing, can afford anything he pleases because he's uh, basically on a government black card, but a you know, kid from the slums makes his makes his dough by, you know, running a fucking sailboat transport job when he's fifteen and clearly doesn't have a whole lot of money. It sucks, and it should be, and everything should be rebalanced. And there's a moment in the show where um, Halfway Noah's Gundam is. Um, fighting against um, Aim Lane's Gundam, which, by the way, we'll get, we'll get to the thing that most Gundams don't touch in a second. Um, there, and Aim Lane's, and Aim Lane's commander, um, Kenneth, had given him a prisoner who had his head bashed in on the desk by his interrogator, who is part of the Federation, as a human shield slash hostage to make sure Aim Lane escapes alive. And Aim Lane is like, my commanding officer told me to bring this guy on board so I fucking had to, but I don't like this any more than you do. Here, take him the fuck back, and we can fight for real. And Aim Lane, like fights on equal terms and loses and left alive but loses to Hathaway Noah and the other guy gets to go back to his base tells you something about how this show is choosing to treat Gundam pilots going forward like Gundam pilots are not the and really have never been the you know evil that they may be employed by, basically. And it would just, that was a very interesting choice because it's setting up a, it's setting up an opposing rivalry between the two Gundam pilots where they are both have mutual respect for each other regardless of if Aim Lane goes back and sleeps in like a lavishly furnished military base room and is okay with being probably a billionaire because he's a Gundam pilot. Um, and, but still respects his opponents in a way that Kenneth doesn't because Kenneth is a, it's for all intents and purposes, a product of 
the world the Federation has created in the wake of winning the primary conflict of Gundam UC. Um, or Gundam Universe, or the Universal Century timeline. And the, so the, the only thing Gundam doesn't touch, and I think it would be interesting if it finally did. And there was one, there was one show that did touch this, and that was Gundam Wing. And that is, I feel like Gundam at some point needs to deal with the Anaheim electronics problem. So if, you, if you're not a Gundam person, or you just got into Gundam, and you haven't watched, and this was the first time Anaheim Electronics came up to you, Anaheim Electronics is the mobile suit designer and manufacturer that produces every single Gundam suit in existence. They're in Anaheim, California, they're based out of Anaheim, California, they have been pumping out Gundams for their entire existence. They are this like big mythical company that just makes this shit. And you very rarely see anybody from it. Actually, probably the only time I remember seeing anybody specifically from Anaheim Electronic is in Gundam Wing when the different scientists who developed Things like Gundam, like the Gundam, like the, um, like, um, the Gundam, like the Wing Gundam, and like, um, the, what's it called, the, uh, Sandrock Gundam, and the Death Scythe, were like, we fucked up, this is immoral, these Gundams are about to be used to commit genocide, we're not cool with that, that's not ethical, clearly. Here, kids, take this thing. Fight for the world. Fight for what you believe in, not for military horseshit. And that's really one of the only times I can ever say I've seen, like, the Anaheim electronics, like, as a thing. Mostly, they just say, like, oh, this company just develops war machines for anybody seemingly who asks. And no, everybody's like, of course, Anaheim Electronics made that gun. They make all the guns, and it's like, excuse you. They also made your Gundam, Noah Hathaway, and then they made one for the Federation. What's happening? Someone needs to like have a conversation about war profiteering here, and I, I'm not sure if Gundam is interested in that, but I. One of my big complaints is that it has been so politically minded as a show for so long, as a property for so long, that it surprises me that it's not interested in that. And I think it's going to start being more interested in the question of, like, what the fuck going on at Anaheim Electronics? Why, are, why is Anaheim Electronics allowed to make stuff for both sides of conflict? What the fuck's up, bro? We need to get to the bottom of some horse shit. And maybe, and there's probably, there might be some Gundam stuff out there that deals with that, but I've never really seen it. And it stuns me that people are like, oh, that new model made by Anaheim, Anaheim Electronics, 
that immediately someone is like, fucking excuse you? You mean the people who made our new model? We need, we need to start questioning our bill. <laughs> like, it's wild. And so it's, and also this movie, because it is a Netflix Sunrise Copro, is beyond beautiful. There's a couple questionable animation cuts in it. I will certainly acknowledge that. For the most part, this movie is beautiful. Um, my biggest gripe with it is, with the exception of one shot of one of the Gundams, the, all the robot fights are in the dark, so you don't really super get to appreciate look at this goddamn Gundam. You get, like, one shot, like, one very cool shot of Noah Hathaway's um, suit, and then that's it. And it feels like, it feels like a missed opportunity to me. But, that's me. And on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday, and, um, Sunday show... Sunday shows are more metatextual, they're more about fandom thing. Um, I encourage you to go listen to the episode I just did on franchises and anime tendency to like to create new franchises and new IPs and to pull from things that aren't traditionally pulled from um, elsewhere. Um, and also, I if you want a really good time, you can go listen to me and Taylor, a.k.a cosplay fiend over on TikTok. Over on everything, really, but over on TikTok primarily. Just just chatted up about anime since we're both in the same, like, age bracket of otaku, and that was a lot of fun, so go check those out. But, um, Thursday shows are more like this. They are more talking about a single property or a single show or film. And on that note, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Sunday.